welcome back to the Promotion on a Budget podcast. So back again over Zoom, me and Josh. Uh, and today's, you know, we're going to have an exciting podcast for you. Josh, how are you today? I'm all right, mate. How are you? You know what? I am buzzing again. Norwich, three, two, one draws on the bounce. Uh, uh, two, one draws, two, one wins. Two, one sorry. draws? How, how can you draw two, one? No, a lot of interesting games over the course of this um game these two game weeks that we're going to be covering again lots of goals to bring to you um and we're going to try and dash through this as quickly but as in-depth as possible because no one likes us dallying around so how about you get straight into it Dicker? yeah so the first game that we can talk about from mid-week is uh preston um uh, and obviously big game there uh preston uh uh Hang on, just going to get a result up. Um, it was 3-0, Ducker. 3-0, that's the one. That's the one, sorry. I'm not really with it today, not really with it. Uh, I was looking at the result of the weekend. Um, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, no, one. Uh, it was 3-0. Big, big scoreline for Preston. I mean, you know, it's... It's a, it's a, good, it's a very good bounce back after drawing yeah. to Wickham. Um, obviously, they beat Bournemouth. Then we kind of said they've okay, so they've done that, and they've had a banana skin. As we kind of touched, we touched on Preston a decent little bit last week, and they really did bounce back into this one, didn't they? Coming with a three 0 win, all goals coming in the second half. Two of them actually come within two minutes of each other. It was kind of seemed like it could have swung the other way to Middlesbrough, but then those two goals coming very late on saw it out, really, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was looking at the 3-0 loss to Lugan. I was a bit confused while I was pressing uh, But no, yeah, they won 3-0 against Middlesbrough. A Middlesbrough side who don't like to concede a lot of goals. Obviously, we know Neil Warnock is very, you know, a very defensive type of manager. But for Preston, obviously, huge, huge win for them. Um, Sinclair getting on the score sheet again, proving to be a very, very good player for them. A very key player for them this season. Um, and uh, two goals in the final 10 minutes, you know, in quick, um, quick succession as well. Um, really uh, highlighting the fact that, you know, the last 10 minutes of championship football and games is a very, very important time. A lot of goals are seeming to be scored in that time. And it is really proving to be, you know, an important time to get goals and um, can win you games. And we've seen this many, many times before. But um, looking at the stats from this game, um, it yeah, it was a very, very strange one. Very strange one. I mean, I think we expected... Very a... clinical display. Yeah. Preston, I think it's fair to say. I mean... <sighs> Very even possession, very even shots. Preston did have more shots on target, however. But we expected a bit more of a defensive performance from Middlesbrough. Not a lot of shots conceded. Um, they conceded 11 shots with six on target. Preston very, very clinical, scoring half of those shots on target. Um, and Middlesbrough just really didn't seem to be a threat in this game. Um, so, yeah, all credit to Preston. Um, uh, but Middlesbrough really, uh, really, really poor from them. Yeah, I mean, on the whole, um, for this Middlesbrough team who have conceded 14 goals all season, it's quite weird to see them concede three in one game week. Now, it's it's a really interesting one because, like I was saying, um, Preston were very clinical in this game and all things considered, yes, Preston did probably have more chances and the better of the chances, but it's not really... The, it, the result really didn't kind of justify how the game went. Middlesbrough did dominate for large periods of the game. Um, it seemed to be a fairly dull first half. Not a lot really kind of happened. Um, and this is potentially where the argument with the substitutions comes in. Now, I'm just looking here at the times that um, 
Preston made their four subs that they made in the game. So they only chose to make four out of the five. They made two in the 74th minute, one in the 75th minute. So that might just be the way that my app reported it. They could have actually been a triple sub. And then one in the 79th minute. Um, now, if we look at who came on, one of the substitutions that came on actually scored the third. Now, could that injection of fresh legs have propelled them to actually be able to win the game? I don't know. Um, it's, it's a really interesting one. And like we've said so many times, substitutions can swing games. I don't think the 3-0 was necessarily um, justifiable or fair on Middlesbrough. But nonetheless, Preston will be very happy with bouncing back after that banana skin that they had against Wickham midweek, especially after um, such a great victory at Bournemouth. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, Josh, should we take on to the next game from the middle? Yeah, so the, um, the next game that we've got here is um, Reading's game against host, uh, well, Reading hosting um, Bristol City. Bristol City? Birmingham City. Wrong. I, I'm reading the wrong things. We're, we're both having a mare today. If you couldn't tell, we're, we've, we've had a hard weekend, busy we weekend. Have. But um, a brace, a first half brace from John Torrell. So, um, saw the host take a resounding 2-0 lead into half-time. Um, much, much the better team. There's no argument about that at all. I mean, um, this was the game that I went to. Um, quite frankly, they looked 10 times better. They looked faster. They looked sharper. They were pressing high. They they wanted it more, quite frankly. Um, there were some potentially dodgy decisions in this game. I know... Um, this is both ways as well. This is not a one-sided argument that I'm going to give out here. Um, the penalty that Lucas Jow actually missed in the second half, it was debatable whether it was actually a foul on Yaku Mate. Um, that also did result in Harley Dean receiving a second yellow card in quick succession. Um, and ultimately, I think the way that the game went was kind of the heads had dropped after Reading went 2-0 down, Birmingham looked way on top, way in control. They went down to 10 men. They needed to sit back. And then obviously conceded a goal um, in the 61st minute from Yaku Mate. Um, but quite frankly, Birmingham did what they needed to do. They time-wasted um, as much of the game away as possible. Um, and unfortunately, um, the bad thing that's come out of that game for Reading is not just have they dropped three points that has kind of knocked them off the trail of the teams above them, They've actually suffered a heck of a lot of injuries coming out of that game. Um, and that comes into looking at um, squad depth. I mean, Reading ended the game on, with 10 players on the pitch, um, 100%. unfortunately. But there was a lot to take from that game being there. Um, obviously, I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have, but that's my bias for you. Yeah, no, I'm looking at a stat here. And obviously, Reading dominated possession, dominated shots. But shots on target is a big one that stands out for me. Birmingham, very clinical. They had three shots on target in the whole game, scored two of them. Reading only had two shots on target. Um, and one of them was the missed penalty. Exactly, and one of them would have been the goal. Um, out of 11 shots, that is really, really poor. I think Reading in this game just went up to scratch in front of goal, and I think that really just speaks volume in this league. You have to I be think clinical. The one, the, one the one stat I would like to just point out in this game, um, Birmingham City committed a total of 25 fouls. I don't know if that's yet, down to poor refereeing. Yeah, some... No, 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 no. I, I actually think more yellow cards should have been dished out than what were. Um, I would very much say that um, Michael Keith and Belt was very lucky to not find himself in the book at least three times. Um, 
yeah, some very suspect refereeing. But like I said, on both parts, I personally felt Neil Etheridge should have been booked for time wasting in the first half, not in the 80th minute. But I think there are other way round um, decisions that the other way round you'd look at and go. Realistically, Birmingham might feel that they should have had a couple of extra things go their way. But like I said, I think quite frankly, Reading were much, um, a lot poorer than what we've seen them of late, and obviously of how they start at the start of the season. Almost a Reading that we've seen um, at kind of various points um, at the kind of. It, we've seen bl- kind of glimpses of it and how poor they can be, which is a real shame and it obviously pains me to say. But quite frankly, this is the Birmingham side that we've seen glimpses of last year. But my favourite thing out of this game is I love how um, a little tin pot club that everyone thinks is in London can live rent-free in a teenager's head playing for Borussia Dortmund. I'll leave that one there. All right, just out in Jude Bellingham there. Anyway, Josh, shall we move on to uh, the next game we've chosen to talk about in midweek? Yeah, so the next game we've highlighted for midweek is Bristol City beating Blackburn by one goal to nil. Now, this was a game that I think, looking, again, statistically speaking, Blackburn should have won the game. Uh, it was a 82nd-minute winner from Deirdre for Bristol City. And... Blackburn dominated the game, they had more shots, and ultimately, they had more chances. Um, a lot of their shots, look, just looking now, were kind of outside-of-the-box shots, and now that might come into it a little bit more. Um, the Bristol City goalkeeper, like I've highlighted before, Daniel Bentley, he is solid, and I think he, I believe, he actually got man of the match for this game. He was sublime. Some of the saves he pulled off in this game, Kept him in it, quite frankly. Um, I would just like to um, add, sorry. Um, Bristol City performed what would have been, if they were away from home, a brilliant shit house away win. But they were at home and they didn't look like, yes, they won. But Blackburn played like the home side, dominating the game, dominating the shots. But Bristol City carrying out a game plan and picking out that win. I would also like to add, Beckles boy, Chrissy Martin with the assist. Of course, you find any way to plug your little hometown, don't you? But is that um, that Bristol City inconsistency that we've spoken about before and we unfortunately have to keep talking about because they seem to go from win to loss to win. They can't maintain a run, a string of results, which they haven't done in a um, good few game weeks now. But it's the kind of, it's an interesting result because realistically, you look at the game and you go, right, Blackburn, high scoring. Bristol City tend to concede but they also don't often score. So it kind of did scream that Blackburn could have pummeled a few goals in and Bristol City got one or two. It's a very interesting outcome to the game, not one that I really expected. And obviously, the interesting one to note as well is Bristol didn't have fans in. So that might be why Blackburn were able to get a bit more of a scruff on the game. Who knows? We won't know. But it is another three points picked up for Bristol City, keeping them in and amongst the teams at the top. Yeah, I mean, if we're seeing a lot of Bristol City, like you said, with the inconsistency, they are losing games. But, you know, they can, they, they have proven and go on a run, get a few wins and actually put themselves and keep themselves in the playoffs. And I think if they can get those small little blips out of their game and make sure they can turn them into at least draws, we'll be looking at seeing them in the playoffs come nearer to the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... I, I think they can if they can iron out the little mistakes, then I don't see why they can't kick on. 
But I think enough talking about a 1-0 win, um, because let's be realistic, it probably wasn't the most resounding of games. But to look at the next game, and I want you to take this one, Dukka, between two of the most informed sides in the league at the time, what a game this was. Yeah, so obviously Stoke won Cardiff 2. Very, very big game this uh, on a whole, uh, purely because Cardiff, this was their fourth win on the trot. Uh, they've conceded. This is only one goal conceded in their past four games, and it was an own goal by Morrison. Uh, we saw Stoke take the lead in the first half through that own goal, um, and Stoke were at home here. Obviously, out of Britannia, they are very, very solid. Um, I believe I want to say Norwich are one of the only teams to have beaten them there uh, this season. But Bar Cardiff, one of the only teams, uh, I believe there's one or two others as well. But um, yeah, they take the lead going into half time. You. you you're expecting Cardiff to come out and put out a performance, which they definitely, definitely did. Joe Rawls being the key man in that game, grabbing two assists in this game. Glatzel and Morrison getting the goals. So Morrison scoring a brace in this game, yet one was in the wrong net. But um, yeah, no, big, big win for Cardiff. And we look at the stats here, very even game. Stoke only having one shot on target. Obviously, the goal wasn't even that shot on target because it was an own goal. Um, the goal was actually the missed penalty, wasn't it, from um, Sam Vokes that realistically could have put the game in Stoke's hands. Um, the save of the, the penalty obviously being saved, he managed to get himself onto penalty duties four minutes after coming onto the pitch. Now, I think that's the interesting t- turning point for me in this game. They had the chance to go 2-0 up and ultimately they've ended up losing the game. Now, um, Tyrese Campbell had to go off injured in this game. Um someone who we've spoken about and praised a lot in the past. But this game was literally a tale of two halves, a tale of not many chances, but teams failing to take the chances that came to them most, obviously being Stokes penalty, and Cardiff with that only two shots on target, scoring two goals. Yeah, 100%. I think we're looking at this game, and it is two clinical teams. And when you put the ball in front of them, um, in around the area of the goal, with the 18-yard box, 6-yard box, they will either score or get it on target at least. And we've seen this with Cardiff, especially in that second half. The two shots on target they had both turned into goals. And I think if you want to get, you know, progress in this league, get to the Premier League or finish in the playoffs, you have got to have that clinicality. Unfortunately, we saw with Stoke, they may not have had it today, but on another day they will have it. And we have seen this in the past with them. But on a Cardiff perspective, they'll be absolutely over the moon with this performance. Um, away from home at such a difficult place, to, to get a 2-1 win, to you know get that comeback as well and be very clinical. Uh, I think that's what everything that uh, the manager would have wanted uh, before the game. However, because they didn't, for me, because they had two shots on target, after scoring so many goals, yes, they've been clinical, but is this a bit of a downfall for them? You know, only having two shots on target for a side that scored, God, you know, God knows how many goals, I think it's eight goals in three games or whatnot. Um, previously to this, so it's um, yeah, maybe a, a slight sign of a blip, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens with the weekend games, uh, which I we'll mean, now go into. Ironically, you're talking about Cardiff um, and not being clinical. It's actually the first weekend game that I'm going to touch on here, uh, the South Wales derby, the early kickoff on the Saturday, and Joe Rawls has gone from hero to zero, quite frankly gone from getting a brace of assists to getting a brace of yellow cards and getting himself sent off in this one. Um, uh, talking of braces, 
a Jamal Lowe brace in this one saw Swansea over the line in a game where, quite frankly, they dominated possession. They had more shots. They had more chances. And they ultimately took the three points away from Cardiff. Ending that winning run that we've seen that had them as the form team in the championship, the ones to be feared, the ones who were scoring goals for fun. Now, Swansea, this is still, this really impresses me still. They've conceded 10 goals all season. You're nearly, they're nearly averaging conceding a goal every like two games, one goal per two games, which I think is brilliant, quite Yeah, frankly. 100%. Um, yeah, those Swans have been really impressive defensively. But going into this game, I think we expected it to be a little bit more tight than what it would be. I would have expected Cardiff to really, really trouble that Swansea defence. The amount of goals they have scored um, in previous games. Uh, but Swansea, all credit to them, are brilliant. And I think they are, going forward, a real threat. As we see, Jamal Lowe is a great, great player at this level. They've got Andre Aryu. There are so many good players going forward, but defensively as Wade well. Routledge, even. Yeah, exactly. And defensively, they're looking so, so solid as well. Uh, Jake Bidwell, again, another standout player for him. I know Lewis, who does the socials for Poab, absolutely loves him as well. Um, but yeah, no, Swansea really, really are looking like a very, very good side. And for me, I think I think they're going to... See, it's really, really tight at the top of the table, but I really think they'll finish in playoffs, if not automatics this season. I completely agree. I think Swansea um, proved how good they are last season and they're doing it again this season. They've managed to hold on to their talent and they've, like I said, um, they're not necessarily scoring a bundle of goals. They are still over the 20 mark for goals. Um, they're not scoring as many as some of the teams around them, but ultimately they're not conceding. And if you don't concede, you're guaranteeing yourself at least one point because a nil-nil draw, they would rather take over a one-nil loss. Um, and ultimately, I think Swansea are the kind of team that have it in them to kick on and really challenge at the top of the league. But speaking of teams that challenge at the top of the league, what a resounding win for Bournemouth. 5-0 at home to Huddersfield. Ironically, Huddersfield had more, more possession. But possession doesn't win you. Football matches, ultimately, it's goals that do. And a Dominic Solanke brace plus an assist going into half-time gave them the 3-0 lead with after David Brooks scoring off the Dominic Solanke assist. Junior Stanislas and Sam Surridge adding to that um, in quick succession in the second half. Now, that is the Bournemouth side that we know. That's the Bournemouth side that we've seen play. They know how to play. They've, well, had, a, to they've had a couple Sorry. of slip-ups. Sorry, Josh. I will also add this is the Bournemouth side that will that will get promoted this season. 100%. No, I completely agree. If they play like this week in, week out, they will either win the league or go up automatically. It depends how the teams around them play, but they are good enough to go up automatically in my opinion. Um, they just obviously need to avoid these banana skins that they've had. Obviously, we've spoken about the Rotherham banana skin, the Preston game where they slipped up. They um, dropped points to Swansea. Talking about Swansea not conceding goals, they drew that one nil-nil. Bournemouth have kept themselves in second place um, with the result of this one. And Huddersfield, while they, while they might be 14th, it's very, very tight in the middle of the table. Very tight indeed. Especially, going, I think, going from about ninth to, I think it's 16th 
you're looking at matter a matter of four or five points separating teams. That's a that's a win and a draws difference between I think everyone. It, it's I not think, a lot at all. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying, Josh, yeah, hundred percent. But you look at every single part of the of the table at the minute. It's so tight. We look so, at so close. I think one of the only places that I could think that is three points clear of the rest of the pack, so to speak, Shh. is Norwich. And I mean, I know it's biased, but they're three points clear of uh, Bournemouth. Uh, uh, yeah, you can't ignore it. But if you are talking about being three points clear, Sheffield Wednesday are obviously still drifting away at the bottom of the league. Um, and there are there are beginning some great some gaps are kind of beginning to form down the bottom of the league as well, which obviously we'll come on to shortly. But the one the one thing I did just want to touch on with Huddersfield is it's quite a shame to see them lose so heavily after they've managed to um, they soar out two two nil wins back to back. Um obviously they've conceded none in neither of those games and then they've gone and had five smash past them. So unfortunately for them it's not yeah. the way it's gone. But would but would you would you I think as much as you know Huddersfield you know it's poor from them to concede five goals of are we not just seeing a Bournemouth side who are absolutely lethal both ends of the pitch defensively disciplined going forward clinical and they're just an absolute force in this division and really are proving that at the minute five nil man against a Huddersfield side who are no mugs at the end of the day Dominic Solanke key player in this you know uh, two goals and an assist and I believe I said this at the start of the season I believe he is built for the championship this season he will get goals especially that midfield that's backing him up you look at Dan Junior Grunevel Junior Stanislas uh, Brooks as well just feeding him balls he's going to thrive off that and he really is at the minute yeah he's he's a very very good player and i mean like you said in any game to score five goals is impressive um but talking of goals how about we move on to the next game where we talk about one player in particular who grabbed um himself three of the best as they yeah say. i mean james collins not the james collins the ginger pelle but another James Collins, the Luton striker, who grabs himself a hat trick in this game against Preston. Preston, who no, we did not against Preston. No, no, no. Oh, it was against Preston. It was against Preston. What? What am I talking about? I'm because it was me. I was speaking about it at the start of the video. That's what I was confused about. However, you, yeah. Right. You. I hope. I hope you're aware. You have completely thrown me off now. I hope you're really proud of yourself. You I'm like really rattling so- me, don't you? You absolutely love it. We'll get on to you rattling me again in a minute. I'll let you carry on and I'll sit here be quiet and behave myself. Anyway, yeah, Saluton uh, beat Preston 3-0. Obviously, we're singing Preston's praises uh, shortly, uh, not uh, a short while ago, um, where after they beat Middlesbrough 3-0. They've gone into the weekend getting absolutely pummeled by Luton. I think we've said this in so many podcasts now, where we've said Preston are so inconsistent this season. And if this doesn't epitomise it, I don't know what does. Um, but all credit to Luton. Uh, James Collins, you know, he's been with the club since I believe they're in League Two uh, and just scoring goals season after season for him. And he just is a class English Football League striker going up the divisions and still scoring goals. Uh, getting a hat-trick here. Um, I believe he also got a hat-trick in the first EFL um, Cup ga- uh, the well, the Carabao Cup game against Norwich as well. He's got a hat-trick then when they beat Norwich 3-1. Um, so he, he's obviously a very, very good striker at this level. Um, and just looking at the stats as well, um, Gluten dominated. 19 shots in this game to Preston's full. Preston had the majority of possession, not too much, uh, 54%. Possession um, don't win your football matches, though, does it? It doesn't. Good. But um, 
Luton are, yeah, fair play to Luton. Absolutely bossed it. Absolutely bossed it in this game. Um, and I think Nathan Jones will be fully, fully pleased with all his players. Yeah, completely agree with you there, mate. And ironically, you're talking about teams that are inconsistent. You're talking about teams that are bouncing either up or down from previous results. Let's take a look at the next one, because quite frankly, this epitomises everything you've just said, but for a different team under a different manager. 100%. Um, and then we'll go on to Middlesbrough, who lost 3-0 to Preston in midweek and have now gone and beaten Millwall. 3-0 Millwall have been on a bit of a poor run of form, losing to Derby uh, previous uh, weekend and uh, then drawing to QPR midweek. Um, but they're the game, ironically, ironically, they're without a win since they beat Preston. And uh, there we go, Preston. Preston is everywhere. Um, anyway, <laughs> the big talking point in this game was the game was ended pretty much within twenty minutes. Duncan Watmore, uh, the ex-Sunderland youth product, getting a brace for Middlesbrough, and uh, Tavernia also getting a goal. Um, all goals were scored before the twentieth minute. And for me, that killed the game off. Uh, Millwall, very, very slow start from them. Um, um, although, uh, again, they had a majority possession, Middlesbrough dominated the game. Shots-wise, they had 16 shots to Millwall's four. Millwall just didn't, they just didn't, they weren't there, they didn't show up at all. And Middlesbrough just had an easy, easy run in uh, from the off. And as soon as it turned 3-0, it was just, see the game out. Um, Neil Warnock will be buzzing by the start his side's response after that 3-0 defeat midweek to Preston. Um, and uh, yeah, just a really, really solid win for Middlesbrough, who want to see themselves climb up this table. They are now ninth. They are only four points off um, the playoffs, uh, where they will, will like to be. But they need to find that consistent uh, vein of results, which they did have, um, you know, not too long ago. They did have a really consistent vein of results, but they need to find that again. Um, so they can stop, you know, Every blip they have will cost them points, uh, will cost them places in the league. So if they can cut those blips out again, like what we said with Bristol City, if they can cut those blips out, they will look a bit more of a force and will challenge for the playoffs, 100%. Uh, but overall, Middlesbrough will be absolutely buzzing with that win. Yeah, I mean, the um, the thing that I'm going to pick up from this game, it's ironic really, because we talk about, um, we've spoken about Middlesbrough a lot for this one, now they've reacted. Um, the the one that I'm actually I'm unsure of the reason because it's not flagged as an injury on mine um, on the on the app that I use to get all of my statistics and everything together. Um, club captain Alex Pierce was substituted after 25 minutes for Millwall and replaced by um, striker John Daly Wavarson. So whether that was a reaction to going three 0 down with those three goals in seven minutes. Um, just by hauling off one of the um, three centre-backs that they started with and um, chucking on a striker who might bully some defenders in kind of a hope to try and salvage the game. I don't know. Um, it could have been a case of a tactical decision. It might have been an injury that we're not aware of. I mean, both, um, ironically, both players um, used to play for Reading because Millwall liked to turn into Reading Reject FC. But enough of me trying to take dig to other teams because it will come back to bite me as we probably will lose the next time we play against the wall and Alex Pierce will probably score a hat-trick. Um, but ultimately, they tried to make that change um, and they still only had four shots. They chucked another striker on. They bought Matt Smith on with half an hour to go, who's another very good big striker who's good at throwing himself around. Um, 
but it just made no difference for them. Middlesbrough, like you said, did what they needed to do, saw the game out. Um, and I think that's pretty much all I've got that I can say on that game. I just thought that was really interesting to see because I, I thought it was an injury initially, but um, it might have been what was an attempt at a tactical, um, an attempted tactical stroke of genius, if that makes sense. I don't think that made sense. But you know what I mean. Either way, let's move on to the game that you told me that you wanted to talk about the most. But we'll, we'll hang off talking completely about Norwich until, um, as a whole, until after we've touched on this game. Ducker, you're three points clear at the top of the league. You've beaten a Blackburn team who score for fun and they only scored one goal against you. Which was, may I add, a sublime goal by Harvey Elliott. Um, just walk round our defence, nutmeg Grant Hamley and stuck it under Michael McGovern. Um, but let's not take any way, anything away from Norwich in this game. Just a very, very professional away don't, performance. Ultimately, don't take anything away from Timu Puki. Yeah. Your favourite uh, finished striker. Who's not finished yet, mate. He's only, uh, I believe he's only 29 or 30 years old. Ah, but um. Uh, anyway, day job. I won't. Um, but anyway, um, we'd just like to add on Timu Puki. He was a free transfer two seasons ago. He's made a hundred appearances for Norwich now, and he scored fifty goals. So he's scoring one goal every two games for Norwich on an average. He was a free transfer. He cost us nothing, and apart from wages and bonuses. Yeah, but uh, you know, you know what I mean. Um, and I think for a imagine free... if you're paying him like three hundred grand for every goal he scores, he'll actually be costing you a fortune. Luckily, well, I don't think we are. Um, <laughs> but you'd be broke. Yeah, we would. I mean, we're broke already as we've got Delia Smith as our owner. But saying that Timu Puki is probably the best striker in this division, and I'm saying this hands down just because he his movement off the ball is second to none. Um, his ability just to have an eye for goal and just finish is incredible. Um, and he just, he just is such such a good striker. We whenever he's out injured, we do miss him, as we saw when we lost, we drew one one to Coventry and lost three one to Luton. Those two games were the only two games he had missed uh, since we started this massive unbe- well this massive run of ours uh, at uh, Rotherham away, I believe it was. Um, and he's just he's just so pinnacle to everything that we do. Um, and yeah, no, a really, really good striker. And a big win for Norwich as well. Um, Blackburn away is never an easy place to go, go to there. They can score for fun. They've got very, very good players going forward. And, you know, I go into the game confident because we, we you know, we won our past two games. But I'm also in the get, going into the game like, okay, hang on. This is a Blackburn side. They do score for fun. And we have a very, very leaky defence. The defence, defensive performance was really good. Uh, Michael McGovern pulling off one of the saves of the season, I believe. I don't know if you've seen it, Josh, but it's such a, such a good save. I unfortunately haven't, mate. No, I was um, too busy watching Blackburn fans trying to tell me that Harvey Elliott is better than Michael. Well, not me. Tell um, Twitter that Harvey Elliott is better than Michael Elise. Oh, mate, um, I've got I've got um, Blackburn fans trying to tell me that um, uh, bloody uh, Harvey Elliott is better than Todd Cantwell, and uh, I'm 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 laughing. I'm just laughing. Todd Cantwell is a quite, baller. Quite frankly, beating Blackburn away is. Um, it's an nice thing, and a lot of big teams do it, don't they, Ducker? Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, um, impressive performance from Norwich, um, who... And did... like, we, like we said, it's your, it's, well, it was your 11th win of the season, the most wins out of any team in the league. Um, it's kicked you to three points clear at the top of the league. 
as you want to be, um, especially going into your next game. Now, your next game, I've obviously spoken down to you very much and kind of praised how much you're going to love the outcome of it and how much pain it's going to cause me. But ultimately, the next game we're going to talk about is the clash between our two sides. Reading host Norwich at eight o'clock on Wednesday evening. I'm going to see your team play before you are and I'm going to see your team absolutely annihilate us unless I am mistaken unless you know what there are a couple of things that I'd love to see happen for this game and I'll go on to those shortly but to pre to start that preview let's just have a look at Norwich's next few games because we, we were speaking about this earlier and this is one thing that we wanted to go into you have not got an easy run in your next three no. games I don't think there's one game that you can stroll into saying we're going to walk in here we're going to pick up all three points without lift, leaving gear one. We're going to go back home to Norwich and stick our feet up and get ready for the next one. I would just like to add, Josh, games. sorry, sorry. I just want to add, before you go on to these next three games, um, we've seen this before. I've said this before. We had Swansea at home, Middlesbrough away, Stoke away, all in a row, won them all. Those are three difficult games, three very, very difficult games. So difficult runs maybe do kind of play into Norwich's hands. But at the same time, go ahead, tell us uh, who Norwich have got up in the next few games. Well, I've, I mean, we've both looked at this one and gone, right, okay, your next three games, Reading away, Cardiff at home, Watford away. Now, Watford are very similar to Swansea. They don't concede goals. I think that's going to be your hardest test for you out of the lot. That's your Boxing Day game. That's going to be your hardest test. Um, you, your home form tends to be a little bit here and there. Your away form is the best in the league. You have won six of your nine games away from home, only losing two on the road. Your home form, however, does have you dropping a few more points. Now, you say that, but we've only lost one home game all season. You have only lost one home game all season, but you have drawn three. And, and one how one, many? And if you look, uh, one five. So one one five, drawn three, lost one. But the reason I say that, I look at Watford's home form of winning seven, drawing one, losing one, only conceding eight goals at home and scoring eighteen goals at home. Now, if you look at that, Watford have then to go off of that, they've only scored four goals away from home. So unfortunately for you, the game is at Vicarage Road. The game will the game will have fans in. And that's going to be a tough test for you. We'll come on to that one when we talk about it, because I guarantee you that's going to be one we'll, we will go into. But this now is the battle between us two. Uh, this is the battle between two injury-stricken teams at the top of the league. Ironically, your injuries are coming back. Ours have just started. Yeah. Um, before our game against Nottingham Forest, we had 14 first-team injuries. Um and we're still top of the league, clear of three points. We now have players coming back. Todd Campwell has featured in our previous two games against Nottingham Forest and Blackburn and really actually providing some brilliance in both of them, which is really impressive to see. Uh, Jordan Hugel now coming back. Tim Krull is expected to be back for either Reading or uh, Cardiff. Um, Hopefully Cardiff. Yeah, uh, if not Mickey McGovern, you know, he's done a very, very solid job so far. Um, and yeah, do you know what? It's going to be a very interesting encounter versus Reading because... 
Reading have very uh, have two sides to it. I've seen Reading produce some brilliance this season, especially against Bristol City, uh, where you know I even messaged you during the game. I was like, "What what on earth is this? You've told me Reading are shit. They're not." Like, uh, but then like you say, you see the Reading side that played against Birmingham City, where you were absolute dog shy. Even even against QPR, uh, it took quite a moment of brilliance from two academy products to actually win the game. Um, when Elias Chair had earlier in the game struck the post, it was a game that had nil-nil written all over it until a spark of magic. And quite frankly, that's what Reading are going to be relying on in this game, I feel. It's going to be a spark of magic, a bit of, a, a bit of luck to win us the game. When you've got the likes of Georgie Puskas, Yaku Mate, uh, Lucas Zhao, John Swift, all out injured in terms of attacking options or attacking midfielding options. And then you're starting right back and left back. Omar Richards being the left back, Andy on being the right back, are both out injured as well. You really are relying on something. Sam Bulldog is going to be the only fit senior striker available for this fixture. I pray that Velkio Paunovic dips into the academy and looks at the likes of Nahum Melvin Lambert, the likes of Thierry Nevers, the talent that we have in the academy that are so good. I hope that we get to use them and I really hope that we actually can see that going well. And yeah. I, I ultimately think that that's going to be the thing that's going to ride for Reading. But I said to you for this game, I'm expecting you to score a lot of goals. I'm expecting us to look fairly poor. And the ironic thing is, I'll be able to tell you all about it afterwards, and I'm sure you won't shut up. Well, depending on the result, mate. Um, but no, uh, it's going to be a very interesting game, and I'm I'm buzzing for it. Um, as I am, football's football. I love it. Um, but yeah, Josh, we'll, we'll head into um, one or two previews. Let's, let's, uh, let's, you know let's have a look, just because we, we've obviously already um, gone into looking at the weekend, um, mid, the midweek game between... Um, my team, Reading, and your team, Norwich. Let's dip into two other games, one each. Take your pick. Is this from the weekend and midweek? Or should we just combine This is them? from the weekend and midweek, but let's try and avoid our teams. Let's go try, and yeah. get out there and look at what else is going on right. in and around the list. Let's have a look. Uh, so midweek or weekend. Josh, really I'm put gonna, me on the spot here. I am putting you on the spot, but I'm going to have a big... Um, I'm going to throw out one here, and I'm going to talk about a weekend game. Okay. I'm going to talk about Wickham Wanderers against Queen's Park Rangers. Okay. Two teams down the bottom end of the table. QPR sat in 19th, Wickham in 23rd. They're separated by seven points. Quite a big gap for this point of the season, um, especially considering there's not that much, um, not that many spaces between them. But Wickham are beginning to slip off from that form that we said that they were kind of managing to grind out some draws. They've slipped away from that now. They've not won a game since they beat Birmingham City away from home at the start of November. By the time you're at this game, you're looking at a month and a half without a win. QPR, likewise, struggling for results. They've not um, won a game since they beat Rotherham um, just before the end of November. Both teams struggling for form. Both teams really not looking at their best, especially QPR, as I've said so many times. They're a much better team than what they put out there. And like I said, like I said when I touched on it when they played Reading, it was a moment of brilliance that won Reading the game. They probably should have come away with all three points in that one. I don't know if they're losing games because of bad luck. Maybe they're not taking their chances. 
but it's going to be a really interesting and probably quite scrappy game down the bottom of the league. Yep, 100%. Right, I'll, I'll move on to my game. And I've gone through for the Friday night fixture of Preston versus Bristol City. And we've spoke so much about these two teams so far in the podcast just because of their pure inconsistency. So this game could go one or two ways. Bristol City can absolutely fly off of a 3-0 win, or Preston will fly off of a 3-0 win, or be 4-3, or 3-3, or 5-5. No, no, it's going to be nil, no. <laughs> we know it's going to be nil, nil now, because I've absolutely cursed it. But this game, just for me, it's going to be a very, very exciting account. Obviously, Preston, very inconsistent this season, but we've seen them produce some brilliance, and if they can produce more brilliance and make it a consistent level of brilliance, they can actually push for playoffs. Bristol, if they can... You cut out the small uh, blips that give them that inconsistent form, they'll become they'll become settled in the playoffs. And again, it's it's going to be interesting to see one of these teams maybe try and start a bit of a run of form. Probably won't happen because they're both inconsistent. But um, they've you know, got a run of form for one game. For for one game, but I I think this game just screams goals for me um, personally. It's going to probably be nil nil now. I've probably cursed it, but for me. Um, I've gone with this game, and it's just I'm, it's just going to be an interesting encounter for a Friday night. Definitely worth watching. Yeah, there's um, the, like we said, there's a lot of games over the course of midweek and the weekend that are really um, kind of tantalising and do look like they could throw up all sorts of thrills and spills. Um, and ultimately, there's some big clashes. There's some clashes down the top, up the top, down the bottom. Who knows what the table's going to look like when we next do one of these episodes, Ducker? Um, I hope for my sake that. You're the one in tears, not me. But that is going to wrap up this episode um, yep. because we, we've done a lot of talking this week. We've spoken a lot about Preston. I'm all preston out, quite frankly, and I'm very ready to go to bed. As am I, Josh. Anyway, guys, if you have enjoyed this video, please drop a subscribe, drop us a like, leave a comment what you want, to talk, want us to talk about in the next video. Uh, tickle the notification bell, uh, check out our socials, and have a good day. And ultimately, guys, don't forget to get involved with the socials. Um, I mean, I'll post at the start of the game between Reading and Norwich on our socials. Um, after that, I probably won't do anything because I'll probably be on the edge of my seat, bent over in my lap, crying. Um, but like I say, don't don't be afraid to get involved. We'd love to hear from people, especially the people that are getting to go back to games. Let us know what you think and give us some ideas of what you want us to talk about um, because we are more than happy to be taking on suggestions because we ultimately want to be talking about what people want to listen to. So as Duka said, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, tickle the notification bell, and we will see you next time. See you later, guys.